1: That means they know what it takes to help you personalize your policies for your small business needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
2: Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher.
0: And I'm Scott Galloway. So happy reopening New York City, Kara. Yes, I've decided happy. I've decided for me. Does that mean I have to let my kids back in the house?
2: No, you have to let your kids back. They better not be camping in your Florida Compound
0: in the backyard. Nice tent, you have a compound. nice sleeping bags.
2: You have a compound. I've been watching Filthy Rich on Netflix about uh, um, James Patterson, of all people, did a documentary called mm-hmm. Filthy Rich about Jeffrey. It's actually very good. James Patterson's in it a lot, but yeah. he apparently was his neighbor and uh, didn't like his neighbor so much. But uh, it's quite good. And he had a compound in Florida. Do you have one?
0: Define what compound means. Well, it's just
2: a compound. It's just weird to see it from above because it looks like you're all jam- They're all jammed together. All these people on the intercoastal waterways, uh, and all these rich people in these incredibly expensive houses, all jammed together. But they have these big pool. Everyone has a big pool, and, a, and in Epstein's case, the creepy, rapey mm-hmm. area that he abused all these young girls.
0: Actually, that's that's um, there's actually that's the nice. There's Palm Beach, and then there's creepy, rapey. Uh, Hamlet, which uh, has seen okay. home prices substantially decline.
2: Oh, well, in any case, it was <laughs> Creepy, really fast. <fascinating>. Creepy,
0: rapey Hamlet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, well, I just, okay.
2: watch, watch it. I got to tell you, I never thought James Patterson make a good documentary, but James Patterson has made a great documentary. Did you see like, the Epstein documentary? The, I, this is the one on Netflix that just came out. I didn't, this, there's yeah, a, there's I watched of the
0: first couple of episodes and it was just too uncomfortable. Oh, this oh, one's God. just,
2: the, the interviews they got were just really uh, devastating, but so... Uh, so effective in terms of really making the case. I really, I liked seeing the people you read about that kind of sort of got maligned by people like Alan Dershowitz and others actually speak for themselves. And it was like, "Fuck you, Alan Dershowitz!" After you read it, you know what I mean. After you mm-hmm. heard them. So anyway, uh, but I say that quite a bit anyway about him. Um, so uh, so so, what's going on? What else is going on? It's been a, it, my son graduated from high school this weekend. That's um,
0: very exciting. Congratulations very exciting. to him, although It is a little bit
2: sad. No, it wasn't. It It wasn't sad. Here's why. What they did is, okay, they had their graduation outfits. His Mm -hmm. was in green. And they, we met all his friends before, uh, you know, we all got in the cars because it was a drive-through graduation. Mm-hmm. And so we can only fit the, I couldn't bring Amanda, but we yeah. we, we have, a, as you know, a mixed blended family, but we put, we put in my ex, my uh, other son and my son, Louis, and he popped his head out of the top of the car. There's a sunroof yeah. and he sat on the top of the car and we drove around the circle of the school. Okay. Yeah and it was lined with teachers all socially distant and masks mm-hmm. and everything else just cheering the kids yeah. and they drove through and it was a sh- it was slow going which was great it was like a parade yep. and then they stopped and they got a senior gift and they got woo and they t- they went they screamed and yelled and then they got their diploma and it was really you know for a shitty situation. It was pretty good. It was, and it was very moving. The teachers were incredible. They, they were yelling and screaming for these kids yeah. for three hours. The only thing is the kids couldn't really be together with each other, screaming for each other, but it was nice. I have to say my son was very moved and, uh, he actually, he thought it was pretty good. They might have another graduation with all the kids together later in, in the year, but it was really, it turned out okay. It turned out okay. We made the best of a bad, they made the best of a bad situation and did a nice job.
0: I've been to, uh, a bunch of those. We're doing, um, you know, for third grade and, and sixth grade graduation. And I find them in those things, uh, as you said, just incredibly inspiring. Yeah. Uh, and then I I have trouble not getting emotional at them because I think about, I wonder if we are of my generation as a function of our selfishness, our, our globalization of the economy, our defunding government, our, you know, just ignoring, the externalities of every arbitrage so we could get you know more and more wealthy if at the end of the day we just kind of shortchanged our kids future that our kids just live kind of this non-prom, non prom non you know, childhood that we had because we're just so fucking greedy, and well, I'm very upset. I don't
2: know if we could anticipate. <laughs> <get> very down. <laughs> I know that is. I don't know if we could have anticipated COVID, but uh, you know, plagues are hard to predict. But uh, in no, this I case, I don't know. Pandemics I, you know what, are much more you,
0: predictable than a bull
2: economy. Let, let me explain to you. You and I do not matter, Scott. It's What's the kids, that? and you and I don't matter. It's the kids, and I got to tell you, my son was had such a great attitude about a really shitty situation for him, and I am yeah. so proud of him. I can't even tell you. He's just he handled it better than I did. And, uh, and he's, and if he doesn't mind that I don't mind. And, He's headed to college. He's well, they don't mind because they don't know
0: what they're missing. But well, anyway. I don't
2: know. I don't know. Don't don't be a downer. He was great. And let me tell you, he's headed to NYU, where I will have a security detail surrounding him at all times, <laughs> so that you wait. don't I'll be get there. near him. I'll be there. With no, him. <laughs> you do not get near him. There's gonna they, they're gonna have your little picture on a card, and if you get near my son, they're gonna they're going to they're <laughs> oh, take great. some action. I agree
0: with young man. You they're kidding? gonna take
2: some Bill Bar action on you if you get near my son. William That's Barr?
0: I don't even yeah. know what that means. What is Bill like Bar action mean? You know, Lafayette Park.
2: I had nothing to do with it, even though protesters got. The argument he was making about gassing was insane. It was tear gas lighting. That's what it was. Tear gas lighting. So, yeah. anyway, whatever. You're not getting near my son. That's really pretty much the message I want to leave with you. So, anyhow. See, I
0: know Otherwise, you're joking. That hurts my feelings. I'm
2: teasing. You can hang with him.
0: You know. You can hang with him. Anyways, I'm a delicate little flower. He's today. On I think to you. you need my to you. be my more in touch with me. my emotions today. <laughs>
2: We got to get to the big stories. There's What's lots. The big, of
0: what are the big stories?
2: There's lots of them. Well, Amazon is having issues and legal backlash from employees over sick leave during COVID-19. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw, there's some uh, workers on Staten Island filed a lawsuit saying the company failed to use proper CDC guidelines and contact tracing COVID-19 among workers, essentially didn't tell them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also argue, or when they told Amazon, they didn't tell everybody else. They also argue Amazon moved too slowly in providing protective equipment, temperature checks, and other tools to keep employees safe. Employees aren't seeking financial settlement. They're asking the court for an injunction that would require Amazon to follow public health standards. Meanwhile, Bloomberg is reporting because Amazon's HR program is so heavily automated, which it is. I've had many people tell me this. Employees say it hadn't been able to keep up with sick leave requests since it left some workers faced with termination for not showing up to work. Obviously, this stuff gets sorted out, but it's still upsetting for people who have COVID and you know, it's very hard to reach a customer service representative at Amazon HR. So so this dynamic between this powerful company's workforce continues to be an interesting focus, even as Jeff Bezos has promised to spend all this money to proactively uh, uh, help its workers and reinvest profits back in the supply chain. Um, so what do you think? I mean, obviously, this is everyone was caught unawares, and that's the fairness we'll give them. But what do you what do you think? What do you make of this?
0: This is it's just pulling back COVID nineteen in addition to being an accelerant, it's sort of the mother of all curtain pulling backs, and that mm-hmm. is it's revealing just That's how. That's a verb.
2: I like that. Go ahead. Right.
0: Um, it's it's revealing that essential workers are this bullshit around. You know all this sandburging, and Sa- I think of sandburging is uh, a verb for when you pretend to care about something and you're just doing <laughs> it as a means of. <laughs> uh putting more money in your own pocket and couldn't that be
2: Zuckerberging? But anyway, go ahead. Oh no, that's on. that's
0: that's that's when you're a sociopath who will so so Zuckerberg has become a new verb for an oligarch. If you think about what an oligarch means, it means mm-hmm. you use corruption and proximity to power to become a billionaire. And that's what Zuckerberg is now. He's the oh, he's the global oligarch. His All right. his proximity to global the president, dark. he's entered into an unholy holy relationship. He's no longer competing. He is using his proximity and his total uh, lack of any sense of morality or concern for the commonwealth and his proximity to the president to enter into what is the mother of all unholy alliances. Sandberging is when you pretend to give a flying fuck about something as a means of delaying and obfuscating that you're doing exactly what you care about such that you can get richer. So I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of Sandberging going on when well, CEO isn't it
2: Bezosian? Why don't you call it Bezosian.
0: Uh, I baseline. think that has something more to do with a midlife crisis. I haven't come up with that yet. All right. Um, okay. So but what anyways, is, what but, is, this is
2: a company's promise to fix this situation.
0: Right. But what we're saying is that uh, I hate the term essential workers because uh, uh, when they say essential, what they really mean is people that through a mix of income inequality and um, a lack of minimum wage, a lack of standards, and the fact that we don't hold these companies to the same standards we've held other companies that we're essentially going to call them heroes, such that we can continue to pay them shitty wages and put them in harm's way. And to Amazon's credit, they raised the minimum wage across their entire employee set to fifteen bucks an hour, which I think is something. I think they deserve credit for that. But it's hard to know to to the extent to which they have uh, implemented distancing and the investments they've made in employee compensation, because I do think there is something to. Uh, voluntarily putting yourself in harm's way as our men in uni- men and women in uniform do, oil mm-hmm. rig, whatever it might be, firemen is actually a very is a fairly dangerous job. As long as you're is you're cognizant of the risk and you're being compensated for it and you're being protected yep. from yep. you're being protected should something really bad happen. You know, deep sea divers have like a life expectancy. They don't live past 50 or 55, but they make two or three hundred grand a year. And they have massive life insurance policies paid for by their petroleum, you know, parents. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, by the way, I have errors and omissions I need to get to. When do we do that in the show? Can we do that now? I have some, I made some errors.
1: All right, quickly. In the
0: last show. Okay, sorry. Quickly, this isn't linear... (laughs) In television. <laughs> well, we can it's do just whatever you talking
2: and me listening, but go ahead. It's called Scott's Therapy it's supposed sessions. to be the other way. It's supposed to be the yeah, other yeah, way around,
0: yeah. right? I'm supposed be, to be the one grow. listening right now.
2: Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: Anyways, um, but no, I no, had no. said that the firebombing of Dresden killed more people than the nuclear detonations in Nagasaki and Hiroshima, and yeah. several people weighed in and corrected me. It, it, the 200,000 number uh, that was put on the death toll in the Dresden firebombing was something that was uh, propaganda from the Communist Party who controlled... Obviously, the eastern part of German, it was actually closer to twenty thousand, and somewhere between fifty and hundred thousand mis- people died in each of the nuclear detonations. So that isn't—that was not an accurate statement. <laughs> that's a statement. math miss, right? And then, although there <laughs> wow. was there was one evening uh, uh, where the Allies had a bombing raid against Tokyo that supposedly took a uh, hundred thousand lives. So arguably, the the greatest disaster or toll in human life uh, during the World War II was this midnight bombing raid of Tokyo. But, anyways, I just wanted to correct that. I um, I got that wrong. Anyways, okay. I'm sorry. Back to our regular
2: schedule to, program. All right, all right, all right. So let me interject, if you don't mind, yes. for a second yes. uh, between you admitting you make math errors all the time. Um, is uh, is that, that that I do think that there's an opportunity here for Amazon to do that? I was thinking. Why don't all, if I was him, I would have all the executives at Amazon work on the lines until it was fixed. Put themselves, speaking of putting themselves in harm's way, mm-hmm. is work, like ha, order all your executives down there and say, a uh, 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 vice president and above, I guess. There's hundreds yep. of vice presidents. And say so you're going to go down there until it's fixed. Like and, I, and well, that, But when and you that, say
0: fixed, what is fixed?
2: Well, I think just at least being under CDC guidelines, and I know they're pushing back, Amazon's pushing back that they are, and they're following these guidelines. But if you're going to brag about spending $4 billion to vaccination, you know, vaccinate the supply chain then vaccinate the don't brag about it before yeah. you've done it. And so I think th- I would put my executives down there and say oh it's you know it's like sort of eating the dog food. It's like y- there was I saw a movie called Deep Water or something like that. It was with Mark Ruffalo where he gained weight um and he played yep. a lawyer. Um and they were like would you drink this? Like it was from this stream in this area that DuPont had uh, had sullied. Yeah. Um, and the guy said it's like drinking a tire. Of course I wouldn't. Like, yeah, you know, I'd there's been Canal. so many scenes like that. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I think it, it they have, they have, I, I would like them to be much more, I would, it would be really something for Jeff Bezos, who does tend to speak out. He just spoke out. He read a letter from someone uh, who wrote him a sort of a uh, a rant about Black Lives Matter saying, I don't want you as a customer anyway. He does this kind of stunty kind of stuff all the time, although I appreciated that stunt. Um and he should do something like that. Like, if he says he's going to do this, he should like put some some arrow behind that wood. and it would no wood behind that arrow wood behind that arrow. Um, and 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 show that being very transparent about how many people died, how many people got sick, how many, like, like radical transparency on this. And it could be really fascinating, you know, if Mm -hmm. they, if if they, if we believe them, that's the thing is that there's not a lot of belief in these tech companies as much and more trust. But in this case, if he like put out the numbers, I think that would be, you know, he did it around his, you know, his sex photos. So why not? Um, and I think that would be really something to talk about the difficulty of it, talk about how, what, what the challenges are. And it's not PR to say, here's what we're facing. Here's the six things that are hard. Here's what we didn't do right. Here's what we did do right. Here's what we need to do better. And I just think there's a real opportunity for any company, not Amazon, but since they were committing all these billions, to do that, to do that in a way that everybody could see and then copy those practices or don't copy them if they're bad practices. All right,
0: I'm done with my rant. So uh, you said a lot there, but generally speaking, uh, most great retail companies have a formal process. And I, I remember Howard Lesser, the founder and CEO of Williams Sonoma, this just lion of business, mm-hmm. he implemented a process where every executive, I don't know if it was once a year, went and spent time in the call center. And I think they may even spent time in the fulfillment center, such that, and it wasn't quite frankly, probably an effort to such that you would develop empathy for people in other. Income earning classes, but such that you would just understand the consumer better. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that's a generally just a good practice for executives to spend time across their entire uh, supply chain. I am more sympathetic, I think, to Walmart and Amazon factory workers because I was asked to um, I was asked by this uh, uh, hedge fund to identify what I thought were the biggest kind of meta or big systemic risks down there and. The, the the big I think the biggest risk facing the world right now is that somewhere between sixteen to eight weeks before the election, uh, the polls come back for Trump that he's going to lose, and we have a wag the dog scenario. I think he's mm-hmm. fucking crazy enough to like get into a sh- shooting match with the, the Chinese in the South China Sea or something mm-hmm. just to mm-hmm. try and. Beef up his popularity. We we now have That's two or really three popular. of things. We have a pandemic. We I have, don't feel like
2: people want, oh, now war? I don't think that'll help him in any way. Well, you?
0: l- uh, Yeah, you're speaking rationally. Anyways, yeah. and then I think that the other big risk that I was nervous about, and I think that risk is mostly passed now that we're starting to open up again, but it could come back, is that I don't think how people realize how vulnerable we were. We thought we think of ourselves as having this unbelievably robust supply chain, but when you recognize that our nation can no longer produce cotton swabs and get yeah. them to hospitals, you recognize how vulnerable our supply chain was. I don't think people realize how vulnerable and at risk our food supply chain was for a while there. And if Amazon mm-hmm. and Walmart had something really bad happen where they needed to interrupt their supply chain and start closing their distribution centers or their warehouses or uh, I, I think you could have seen uh, chaos. I think people would have started picking up their Glocks and heading to the publics to get food. And so I think the supply chain, and this is the problem, and it's, it's a discussion we have, should have coming out of this pandemic, and that is have Walmart and Amazon become too big to fail? Yeah. And so I, I think it's important, and I think it's worth some risk, and that's not to say that people shouldn't be compensated. They shouldn't. No one should have to show up to work because they're so poor they feel they, they put themselves in harm's way. But I do think Walmart and Amazon's food supply chain right now plays an almost, almost sort of a, like a national defense kind of critical like role. Mm. Interesting. Um, so, but uh, it, it, transparency, absolutely, the data, how Tra- many people are contracting like- it. I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: They just, they, they needn't have, they're going to have lawsuits. Every company in the going to have lawsuits. But here's a company that could Very actually, hard to establish
0: attribution liability around these types of lawsuits.
2: Yeah, I know. I know. But I think it's really important that they maybe be a leader here in this area. And they certainly could take advantage of it. They just made a big deal about doing it. I'd like to actually see it in action. That's what I would do. But anyway, we have to take a quick break. We'll be back to talk about Reddit's co-founder stepping down from the company and a friend of Pivot.
1: Talk to your local State Farm agent today about small business insurance. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Support for this show comes from Slack. You're a growing business, and you can't afford to slow down. If anything, you could probably use a few more hours in the day. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens, with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place.
2: Welcome back, Scott. On Friday, uh, Reddit's one of its founders, Alex Ohanian, uh, stepped down from the company's board of directors and asked the company to fill the space with a black leader. In response, uh, Reddit's current CEO, Steve Huffman, wrote that the company would honor Ohanian's request. Reddit has long allowed threads that fuel and amplify white supremacist uh, rhetoric, and the company has not taken down. Uh, I have interviewed Steve and Alex a lot about this issue. Uh, They've had some good answers and some not so good answers, but Reddit's former Interim CEO Alan Powell wrote on Twitter, I am obligated to call you out. You should have shut down the Donald, a pro-Trump message board, which is that is, instead of amplifying it and its hate, racism and violence. So much of what is happening now lies at your feet. You don't get to say BLM when Reddit nurtures and monetizes white supremacy and hate all day long. That that is that was quite a strong thing from Ellen, uh, who has a lot of strong opinions, and I think I'm I, I tend to agree with her. I've had these arguments with them. They had placed uh, the Donald on a ban. They have all these different rules at Reddit. I don't remember the last thing they did, but they gave him some sort of warning. Um, I I know Alexis well. Um, he's obviously married famously to Serena Williams. Um, I I think that I think him just saying this is a great thing to say this, but he's right. He's got the way they created Reddit has. has even though i think reddit more than many places has tried to at least admit and start to clean up you know they the way they they structured reddit has led to a lot of these sort of dank areas of of that service
0: yeah it's it's um so first off the board of directors i think is where a lot of where it kind of all starts there mm-hmm. and because people are tribal and people are more comfortable establishing relationships with people who look, smell, and feel like them. It's just instinctive. And you'd let, we're more evolved and we can self correct and modulate for that. But that will be oftentimes your go to. And so if you think about corporate America, where it all starts, where hiring decisions start and capital allocation starts in terms of people's economic opportunities is at the board because the board picks the CEO. And when your board is all white dudes, you have a tendency to just come up with reasons for why the next CEO should be. You guessed it a white dude. And then he or sh- then he has a tendency to find and establish relationships with other white dudes. So it kind of, and then it trickles down to this waterfall, which leads to continued, you know, for lack of a better term, systemic racism. So board, if you wanted to have a really long-lasting impact, and we've talked about this a lot on this show, mm-hmm. boards get a fraction of the scrutiny yeah. relative to the power they have for change. The, the board decides if and when a company gets sold uh, and who the CEO is, who sets the tone for the company for the next five to seven years on a lot of levels. So uh, you know, uh, there's just no getting, if you wanted long term real structural change in corporate America, you really have to start at a board level. And what yeah, is what, I don't know.
2: I think you get at the idea. That these boards are not powerful in Silicon Valley. I can tell you that. I mean, they just don't. Well, because two class shareholders. Pointless. It doesn't matter it who, systems. you know, they could put anybody on the board of Facebook. It doesn't matter. Well, yeah, but you're talking, and that's why that's people still, like Ken Chenault and others I lab. think
0: it's somewhere between 10 and 20% of companies are dual class shareholder. It. I think what would have been interesting is to take uh, for someone, and I would do this if I had more discipline, but to take all of those kind of performative black square serif statements around how we stand with George Floyd and we're appalled by this on behalf of the company, and then just have a picture of all of their board of directors.
2: Yep. Well, ha- how funny you should say that, Scott, because I did that story uh, 10, 7, 8 years ago. Yep. I, was, uh, I was asked by the guy who was the head of um, – years ago I wrote the men and no women of Facebook and I put, all I did was put up the pictures of the management team uh, it was all men and, it's, and this is I think pre cheryl and then I I, I was focused on women's issues on uh, in these stories and the other one was the men and no uh, women of mm-hmm. of internet boards and I because the head of uh, um um Groupon at the time, who's a lovely guy, had asked me if I knew any qualified women. And I I nearly like choked him from through the phone line. And so I wrote a story about it and I said, here's all the pictures. This is, here's all, like, there are binders and binders of women. It shouldn't be so hard to find women or people of color. And then I had another argument with the, uh, with the head of Twitter at the time, who was uh, Dick Costello, about that issue, um, where I think I wrote the single best lead of my lifetime. Um about um, You know the board what? That's an
0: incredibly high bar. No, that's no. It is. Let me read it. Let me tell bar, it to you. Tara.
2: All right, this was. It was about that they had ten white men on the board, and I said, "On the board of uh, 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 on the board of Twitter, which has three Peters and a Dick, there is no diversity." Something like that. But it was three Peters and a Dick because they actually had three people named Peter and one guy named Dick. Um, and so I think that was one of my best. Things, But they they don't have any sense. This is where things can actually change if these boards do have power. And they certainly don't have power. And so this is very lovely for Alexis to say this, but they should have done it a long time ago. They should have made the board larger. They should give these – and it shouldn't just be one person because they run around, you know – saying we have standards, we have standards, when they didn't have standards in the first place, by the way, when it was all white women, they run around and try to sort of uh, like find people of color, find women, find different voices, without like having it just like as a matter of course. And I'm not sure how to correct yeah, that. Yeah, but isn't that
0: where you start? I mean, we'd all like to oh, think come it happens. On. Or, well, it's been okay, 20 it's years. It's got to start somewhere, Kara.
2: It's got to start you're, 20 you're years You're hoping ago.
0: we're just better people and we'll figure it out organically? A decent place to start just, is to say, okay, we're going to put a black person no. on our board.
2: Yeah, but you know what? I can't even believe someone has to say that in this day. I don't believe they didn't do it before. Why it takes these these? I just I find it just I I, You're I like Alexis. I'm outraged. I'm outraged. I'm just like stop it, stop it. And I really like Alexis. I do, and I I agree with Ellen that they've allowed this site to become uh, accessible. Now again, they have tried. Really to. you read it that and bad? Others. I never
0: thought of read uh, Oh my that bad. God! Oh Is no! Don't
2: bad? Scott 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 Scott. Really? Oh, Scott! They had so they had a. You're not giving me a credit.
0: I cry a drive-by graduation. No, let me just tell you. I I can't even
2: repeat the name of one of them that took them forever to get off. Uh, It was, it was offensive. Oh, I can't even. They're just and they have. Let me just say, compared to Facebook, they're Mm -hmm. incredibly responsive but that doesn't mean
0: reddit is that incredibly it's responsive
2: compared to facebook and that is the lowest bar i mean i don't know how low you can get for a bar but the, in any case they've always been open to discussing it and have tried to do bans and everything else and have gone out of their way and said we are going to edit it but and of course they're not as big as a facebook or anything else anyway i'm not going to rant about it i think great they should have done it 5 years ago i don't going i'm not going to give the claps for this and i i i'm not i i i tend to agree with alan i'm not giving them claps for something they should have done uh, a long time ago. That's that's when I'm speaking. But anyway, we got to go because we've got to talk to our friend of Pivot who's on the line. Uh, we have Mike Masnick, who I've had many an argument with. <laughs> He's the founder. There he is. He's the founder and editor of TechDirt and one of the many experts on Section 230, which I think we need to talk about because this is about what what these uh, sites can do to do anything about it. Section 230 has been back in the news in large part because Twitter's move to flag the president's tweets for inciting violence and spreading misinformation that bothered him. Uh, in turn, the president began to promote the idea of revoking Section 230, which has been around from a lot of the candidates. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden talked about it. And he signed this kooky executive order to to clarify the scope of Section 230. Um, I'm not going to go into it in detail because it's not going anywhere. But Mike can explain it for us. Mike, can you explain what the president did and then actually briefly explain Section 230 and whether you think it should be revoked or reformed or what?
3: <laughs> uh, which order do you want that in?
2: <laughs> Let's start with what it is. Explain it. Sure. Because people get this wrong yeah. a lot. A lot.
3: Yes. Constantly. Uh, it, it Section 230 really tries to do two different things that work together um, to sort of help promote uh, good content on the internet. In some sense, it, it is designed to try and promote the most good content and the least bad content. Uh, and people seem to get those two efforts right. uh, that balance each other confused all the time. So it does two things, one of which is it says that if you are a platform that hosts content uh, from third parties, you do not get Uh, blamed or you're not liable for anything that a third party does. Mm -hmm. It it says that you you put the liability on the actual content creator. So if someone violates the law, if someone posts something that is defamatory, it is the person who wrote the defamatory thing that gets the blame and the liability for it and not the platform that is hosting it. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's part one. uh, And that's the part that a lot of people pay attention to. And then the second part of it uh, basically says that To encourage sites to moderate the content on their platform and to create things like family-friendly areas of the internet uh, that is, you know, without spam and hate and porn and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, If you do moderate the content on your platform, you are not liable uh, for those moderation choices. And that includes for content that you leave up.
2: Right. So it seems pretty clear that what Twitter did was fine then, under
3: the law. Uh, Yes. Yes. Uh, it, what Twitter did was clearly fine under the law, and also not just under 230. Um, there's the, there's this concept some people have said of like violating 230. There's nothing you can violate. <laughs> there's nothing right. in 230. No, it's a it, helper. It, it's a it's it's protection. Isn't it? it's more prophylactic? Isn't it? You're. It's saying whether or not you're liable. And the thing right. that is important, and I think a lot of people miss in the debate, is that the First Amendment backs up all of this, right? So, um, you know. The content that Twitter put in terms of, like, the fact check on the president, which created all of this, you know, recent mess and concern in the executive order, um, you know, the content that they wrote themselves has nothing to do with 230 because it's content that Twitter itself wrote. So, that's not third-party content, and Mm -hmm. it's not moderation. So, what they wrote, that one little line, like, get the facts about – that is that has nothing to do with 230. It's not protected by 230, but it is protected by the First Amendment because it's Twitter speech and it's perfectly, you know, clear and protected speech. There's nothing illegal about what they said, um, and so I think that gets confused all of the time. Um, and which brings into the the, the follow up question of like, well, what should be done about 230, and what does the executive order do or purport to do, or what should it do, um, and you know, the executive order does nothing. It it basically just creates a lot of uh, heat <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. and asks uh, for different, you know, basically studies to be done on 230. It asks the attorney general to create a reference law to sort of try and mess up 230, though it's not clear what, what can actually be done there. Um, and it asks the FCC to come up with an interpretation of 230, which it it doesn't directly ask them because the president can't ask the FCC to do anything. It asks the Commerce Department to ask the FCC. And it sort of suggests an interpretation of 230 that is completely at odds with what the law actually says, uh, and also uh, what case law for 20 plus years has has said. So it's kind of a, a joke, but it could create a lot of distraction
0: for for a long time. Isn't that the point? Or it seems to me that the the president in 230 is just an enormous distraction and an unproductive conversation isn't it really about a, le, a, a, a law 23 years ago uh, that was supposed to protect nascent technologies isn't that the term they use nascent technologies or platform w- platforms which by virtue of that means it's incredibly outdated and so, that um, so of, i'm
3: going to disagree with that i, I think that that is some of the sense and certainly at the time yep. i mean it was 1996 you know when when the discussion was happening and so um you know certainly the internet was nascent and the platforms yep. were nascent but you know whether or not that means that the law is outdated is a separate question and i would argue that it's it's not outdated and that the law uh, to this day is incredibly important and without it we would have actually more of the problems that, you know, that the two of you are often concerned about and that you're Which often is talking cens- about. Because they'll that,
2: that they're sense they'll censor it more. But get, get into the idea that, that what, so, so what Scott's asking about is should it just be reformed versus mm-hmm. gotten rid of? That Scott, unless Scott, right. you think it should be gotten rid of.
0: I would ask the question um a different way, and that is why are these platforms subject to less scrutiny than any other media platform?
2: liability, especially See,
0: that, and I think that's wrong, right? I mean, so
3: section two thirty protects all internet websites and all it also protects users. So if you retweet something or so you are not liable for that. It is designed to encourage widespread speech uh, and, also, the, the the creation of of better moderation tools and it allows for different kinds of experimentation, um, different kinds of approaches, and whether or not you agree with all of the approaches, that's one thing. But it allows for that experimentation. Without it, you have a few different problems that that come about, um, and most of the reform proposals that are out there lead to these same problems. Um, one of which is, you know, if you do become liable for the content on on your site, you have what's called the moderators dilemma, which is Um, you know, either you're encouraged not to look at anything Mm-hmm. um because you don't want to get that liability of how you know the, the way it works if you don't have 230 is there you would have some sort of like distributor liability which is the concept and and that depends on knowledge and how much knowledge you have so one way to avoid that is not to look at anything right mm-hmm. so then right. you so get let more all of the,
2: hell break loose
3: right you're you're <laughs> sort of encouraging more 4 um uh, rather than the opposite then the other is to you know is to think that well okay uh, if I'm going to be liable I have to now check over everything very very carefully and then you get a very very different world in which everything has to be limited you don't get the sort of open platforms that allow people to speak you don't get the sort of emergent innovation around like the conversations that happen on Twitter or things like podcasting uh, it becomes a risk whoever's hosting the podcast if they're liable for everything that is said on it uh, becomes a problem do they you know need to do that you you sort of back into a world that is very much the traditional broadcast media and you shut out all of these other voices and as we've seen You know, what's happening in the world today, a lot of this is coming about because people are able to speak out. And people who in the past were not able to be heard and voices that were silenced or not listened to are suddenly being heard, and people are able to speak out and say and speak their mind is because the internet allows that. And without 230 or with most of the reform proposals that we've seen,
0: that would be greatly, greatly limited. So, would you argue, hold on, would you argue Mm -hmm. the state of play is acceptable? Would you argue, I, the, the, the vibe I'm getting from you is that, mm-hmm. yeah, there's some issues with this, but it's, 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 it's the least bad thing we could have. Are you comfortable with the state of where we are in terms of Facebook and Twitter and social media in terms of this rage machine? Do you think that's just um, something we have to live with? Oh, I, well, I think I think the idea that the the state of things today is is
3: a constant is not quite correct, right? I mean, I think these things are constantly changing, and there is all sorts of pressure from all sorts of different places, including you guys and and Kara. You know, you, Kara has a long history of actually creating change through through speaking. So out. let me just disavow
0: uh, that we're going to fix this. And is the trend headed in the right way? This notion that it'll eventually self police and self correct. Do you see that happening?
3: Yeah, I, I do think I do think it will. And I think that this is just sort of the nature of these kinds of technological revolutions, um, and you've seen it in the past. You know, when you allow more people to speak out, then right. at the beginning there is kind of chaos, and people are trying to figure it out. And and some of it is that society itself has to adapt and change and
0: catch up to it. And With I think Hindenburg that over time, press, we have a couple hundred years of chaos, and then people figure it out. That's sort of well. Idea. Also, also,
2: yeah. but Mike, one of the things you and I talk about is it's it's different than other chaos because it's it's so it's so it's so massive in the amount of data, the amount of noise. The amount of badness that it does become amplified in ways that are uh a little different than previous technologies. So well, should there that, be any yeah. liability at all like because this is an industry that has nearly has zero liability for Well and
3: country. I would push back on that too. Like the idea that there's zero liability is not true either. You know, you have a few different things. One is that there is liability for the content that that the platforms themselves create and we've seen right. that, you know, in cases like the roommates case where they were you know, effectively creating content that was violating fair housing uh, Mm -hmm. laws. And so when the platforms themselves do it, there are a couple of cases, I'm not sure I agree with them, but we've seen certain cases like the internet brands case, where if a platform is seen as negligent, uh, and and it reaches uh, reaches a standard of negligence, then they can get blame also. We've seen other cases. And again, like I'm not necessarily comfortable with these cases, but we've we've seen them play out with things like Airbnb and Amazon, where they can also be held liable and responsible. Um you know, they they the idea that it's a, like a complete, you know, freedom, also, yeah. you know, two thirty. Has nothing to do with intellectual property. It, it, so any intellectual property things, there's still liability there. Sure. Um, and criminal law, federal federal criminal law uh, is exempt from from 232. So there are all of these things that, like, the idea that that 230 is this big, like, giant get a jail free card is not true. And then the the last part is like the whole setup of it is designed to that you know if people are uh liable and, and uh, responsible like the the liability goes to them it doesn't it doesn't wipe out liability um and if the issue is that i think that i think you're raising is that you want these platforms to do more um Taking away two thirty doesn't fix that. It's it's you know, two thirty allows them to experiment and allows them to make so these what, changes. What do you
2: imagine is going to happen? And then Scott, you can ask the last question. What sure. do you imagine? Because there's all you have. Joe Biden saying get rid mm-hmm. of it. You have heard Nancy Pelosi sort of dance around it. You've heard Josh Hawley with his stuff. It's and Elizabeth Warren. These this mm-hmm. is a group of people that literally couldn't <laughs> have dinner in a restaurant together. Maybe the first. Maybe Elizabeth uh, Nancy Pelosi. But uh, <laughs> well, you know, and, but I think it's what, what is going to happen? Yeah. What is going to actually happen from your perspective?
3: I, I I have no idea. I mean, but part of the problem is that everybody misunderstands 230. So you have all those people mm-hmm. that you just named who are very, very, you know, diametrically opposed on, on lots of other things uh, who all hate 230, but they hate 230 for different reasons. Some of them hate 230 because it's allowing for moderation. Some of them hate 230 because yeah. it's not leading to enough moderation. And so I don't think they actually agree on why they hate 230. They hate 230 just because everybody right now hates 230. So based on that, there's a good chance that something is going to happen with 230, whether or not. It Gets revoked entirely, I find to be very unlikely. But I think that there will be reforms that will be pushed through. And I don't think that they will solve the problems that they're designed to solve. And I don't think they're going to help the situations that you guys are talking about. I don't think it's going to encourage Facebook to do any better. And in fact, you know, we just went through this where there was a reform for 230, which is now referred to as FOSTA. It was yeah. also yes. in the past referred to as SESTA. And it was supposedly targeting sex trafficking, right? And what happened there was you had a lot of people protesting. How how it would create problems. The the one big tech company that went to the other side was Facebook, and Facebook said, "Hey, this is great. We support it. We're, you mm. know, uh, we we think this is good." And then what happened was. It didn't do any of the things it said it was going to do. It hasn't been used to shut down any sex trafficking platforms. Uh, what it has done is it, it led to a bunch of smaller, like dating sites, shut down because they were afraid they were going to be liable for it. And what happens a few months
0: after that? Facebook launches its own dating platform. Yeah, but right? didn't, so, didn't didn't Backpage go away? Didn't the adult listing, adult services on Craigslist, go away?
3: Craigslist not, shut down its dating pages. Right. Uh, Craigslist shut down uh, you know, its uh, uh, erotic section, whatever right. it was called. I think it was called that. Uh, years ago, almost a decade ago, that had nothing to do with it. Backpage, the, the entire point of, of SESTA and FOSTA, we, we, we were told over and over again directly, okay. was to go after Backpage. Backpage, right. first of all, the founders of Backpage were arrested many months before all of that debate. And then the DOJ went in and shut down Backpage the week before FOSTA passed so the idea that it was necessary to shut down Fo- to shut down backpage is wrong and, and it was blatantly mm-hmm. wrong they shut it down it was that the doj didn't do anything for many many years
2: using existing laws using, using.
3: existing laws and then right. you know th- you know they knew that foster was passing if they really wanted foster they could have waited a week you know, one more week. They didn't do anything for a decade. They could have waited one more week. So the idea that foster was necessary uh, or that it's helped. And instead, what we've seen is all sorts of evidence that it's done tremendous harm for sex workers workers and places where sex workers uh, communicate with each other that help keep them safe. So it's actually put women in danger when all of this was passed with the idea that it would help protect women.
2: Alright, so last question. What is your prediction? Is it just going to be a lot of yelling by Josh Hawley yeah. and Elizabeth Warren, and then Trump is going to weigh in every time? I, I think there's absolutely nothing Trump can do about this unless they put something false, if they wrote something false and libelous about him, other than hear, read here about mail-in Bailouts, bailouts ballots <laughs> doesn't seem to be that libelous, um, no. or, or this can, this is possibly misleading, or this could promote, though the language is very careful. Um, uh, what We're just going to have to like rely on them to make these decisions, correct? Is that real? And Mark doesn't want to make any, and Twitter (laughs) kinda does, and Google kinda does, and they end up doing it anyway because they also edit all the time, all over the service. Um, So where do you imagine it going a year from now?
3: Um, I mean, I think there will be attempts to to eat away at 2:30, and we there are a few other attempts right now, and and people have talked about other ways to sort of use the FOSTA playbook on 2:30. So. I think it's very, very likely that we'll see attempts to to eat away at 2:30. Whether or not they'll be successful, I, that's that's completely you know outside of my crystal ball. And what do um, you
2: want? What do you think should happen? I, I think 2:30 should guy. be left
3: alone. I, I think that I think that it is all of the complaints that people are making about 2:30 are misdirected at 2:30, and that there are other better ways to approach those issues. There are other better ways to encourage better moderation. There are other better ways to encourage uh, a better setup of the internet that is not so problematic. Uh, and I think part of that is encouraging more experimentation on these platforms, I- encouraging more competition between the different platforms, and allowing you know much better behavior to to come about through that. Uh, you know, the law is not going to do it, especially not 2:30. So as just a tool
2: shame. You want just me to keep yelling at them? Yeah, I mean, you're <laughs> the best at
3: it. You know, <laughs> and and, and you're very effective. That's scary. Uh, yeah, and so, that but true. not you know obviously not just you. I mean, I I honestly think you know, and, and if you look at how these platforms have changed in their model you can complain about them today. But if you look at how much they've changed in the last you know five years uh, because of public pressure, uh, and you know, 230 allows them to change, right? It doesn't lock them into a set of this is this is the exact guidelines. It allows them to change an experiment when they realize every time that they mess up, and and you tell them that they mess up, or or I tell them that they mess up. So and you're so
0: confident that, that's effective. You're confident that the the that we're safer, that there's a lower probability of the weaponization of elections at the hand of bad actors on Facebook this election. You think things are headed in the right direction? I mean,
3: through shaming and market long forces. Long you're, you're 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 bringing up a whole other area around like election manipulation. Well, I guess what like I'm going part.
0: is 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 I would like to believe that the market and shaming and Kara Swisher are going to save us here, and I just don't see any evidence of that. Yeah,
2: me neither.
0: Well,
3: I I disagree. I yep. mean, I, it's it's broader than that, and I'm a little bit snarky in just saying it's Kara, obviously. But the fact <laughs> is, like people speak out about these things. Right. And, Captain Marvel, right here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, again, you're very effective. But like it, it you know, I I think that if you. Uh, have not paid attention to how much these companies have changed, and if you have not spoken to the people at the companies about how seriously they do take this, and if you talk to the people who are on the trust and safety teams about how they think about these things and how deeply concerned they are about all of this stuff, mm-hmm. this is you know they are not taking it flippantly, and and like there is this assumption out there that they don't care, and that may be true of like certain top executives at some of these firms but if you talk to the people who are actually responsible for making these decisions mm-hmm. like they care and they put a lot of thought into it and they recognize that every one of the decisions that they're making has tremendous trade-offs mm-hmm. and it is not as easy as it seems like for all yeah. of us sitting yep. in our homes yep. you know yeah. uh, talking over zoom or whatever thinking that the answers are easy they're not every every single one of these has a trade-off and yeah. and the people who are thinking through them are taking it seriously
2: 100 yep. yeah, but that's why they get paid the big bucks mike and not us anyway i really appreciate it i always think you're such a smart thing you always change my mind on things and i do appreciate all over time he like whacked me one and i think he was right to do so <laughs> anyway mike masnick you can keep trying but not on everything um the founder and editor of tector and excellent thinker on section 230 please read him he's terrific mike thank you thank so you much. mike nice meeting thanks for you. having me All right, Scott, one more quick break. We'll be
1: back for wins and fails. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com tech. Support for this show comes from the
2: Harvard Business Review. while much of Harvard Business Review's content is available for free after signing up at their site, subscriptions to unlimited content start at only $10 a month. What a bargain. Go to hbr.org subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT right now to get 10% off your subscription. Again, save 10% off your HBR subscription. Go to hbr.org subscriptions and enter the promo code PIVOT. Okay, Scott, we're back. That guy's smart, isn't he? Isn't oh
0: he? yeah. That's it's perfect. I'm trying. What 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 is he doing?
2: Hector. He writes. It's a site that's really good. It's I've been yep. following him for many years on lots of stuff. We've gone, we've gone a lot of rounds. But I find I have a huge respect for him, and he's always so reasonable. I had a podcast with him and two others, one of whom disagreed with him, one of whom was an academic in the middle. Yep, and uh, it was just great. It was a really, it was you got to really think hard. That's my whole point about this. Donald Trump doing an executive order is the most slapdash, ridiculous, reductive thing to do here. We have to really think hard, and that's even if you disagree with me. We have to come together in some way that works for everybody, rather than have knee jerk reactions. Anyway, so Scott wins and fails. What? Do you, let me hear. What do you got?
0: Uh, I have two wins. They're both brand-based. Um, wins? Do you
2: don't have a fail? Okay.
0: Uh, no, and I have a fail. Um, I have, it's more of a question for you as my fail. Okay. Uh, so I thought great brand moves are bold and timely, and and they involve a certain amount of risk, and occasionally oh. on the wrong side of that risk, and occasionally on the right side of the risk. But I thought uh, Mayor Bowser, uh, yeah. am I pronouncing her name right? Bowser. Yeah, I thought the uh, emblem or the mural of Black Lives Matter across the avenue leading up to the White House is going to go down as one of the great kind of brand moves uh, in terms of uh, capturing the moment. And we're a visual species. Uh, I just thought it was just so incredible incredibly creative and innovative and
2: it was interesting interestingly my son who has been getting very politicized recently my 14 15 year old yep. he was like fine it's just PR why does why did she keep funding the police even more like he was de- he was already past that so yep. it was interesting that he wasn't buying it, it I thought it, I said it was great and was and dangerous. then we had this discussion about allies that we like we, we, we may not like one thing and we can like another and he goes I don't care if she paints anything I care about if she's doing not doing police reform, and it was really it was interesting. It was I was like, oh, interesting. This, so you didn't like this? And no, I don't care. It doesn't matter. So, hmm. so interesting. So
0: uh, and the other win uh, because I thought it was a lo- I said it was a loss that uh, Nike's kind of uh, along the lines of everyone else. I thought that they sort of overproduced messaging, uh, brand building things on TV were that uh, that that era had come to an end. It was more about actions, and just as I put out. Uh, a blog saying that nike you know just stop But it. it's time to have you you know the music match the words or actions are are really an indicator of your character not your words later that afternoon they announced that they were gonna they pledged a hundred million dollars in concert with michael jordan to uh fight systemic you know it, it it strikes me that nike continues to sort of capture the moment and i think and they'll fall under a lot of criticism for this but i do think they take risks and they're not afraid to take action i think 100 million dollars is real cabbage even for a company like nike so i think it's a win um and i i um i don't know i just have a lot of respect for their you know there's so many companies yeah. in that space and they always seem to sort of take i don't know take the action we if you
2: have want. the ceo on how about that we bring him on we talk about
0: it. he's the old ebay guy right yeah yeah
2: john Dunn. yeah yeah, and
0: then, talk. so who are your wins? And then I'll do uh, my last question for you. I, I
2: I think the wins are for the protesters. I thought they, the peaceable, the peace, across the country. What a, it seems like
0: it's gotten more, I don't know what the term is, more productive, more peaceful. Yes, well, of pre-
2: course it has to be. And it it's, 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 This that murder was so appalling and so Well, I know, rage- but the protests inducing.
0: could have gone one or the other way. They could, uh, it, they could, yeah, but
2: it just, you know, I just was like, the ki- they were just all weekend long here in D.C. I had some dummy, like, to tweet me, like, oh, it's anarchy there. And I took pictures. Mm-hmm. I'm like, this isn't an anarchy. If this is anarchy, get the hell out of this country. This is beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, I was just really moved by the protesters of all mm-hmm. ages. And, and, I just was and I actually I like that my kids got political too. It was really a win. I was just like they just picked their friggin' heads up out of there and started looking around. My kids are good that way, but they got better. Mm-hmm. And I really you know that's just a, my life and and my very privileged uh, tall white children. Um, but it was really um it was really something to see. I just think and and I think there's going to be a lot of leadership from this and there you've seen a lot of leadership Uh, from all over the place Um, I think my fail is Roger Goodell once again every time he opens his mouth I want to just what we
0: really meant to say was
2: (laughs) what we really meant to say is Colin Kaepernick is fine
0: you know did you notice notice he didn't Uh use his name he didn't even use his name
2: Whatever. It's too little, too late, Roger. You were on the wrong side of history before, and now you are you look like a panderer to the right side of history. Sure. And I know we're supposed to bring in allies, like I just said, but yeah. I, no, no. That one, no, no, no. Colin Kaepernick was always a hero for doing what he did. And uh, for you to late acknowledge this after ruining his career, you can... I, I'm not going to yeah. curse right now, but you know what I yeah, want to where, say. Which where is were you when thought. we needed you, Roger? Right, exactly. So, so my
0: loss is a question to you, and obviously yes. the question is pregnant with a comment because yeah. uh, otherwise I wouldn't be asking you the question. But do you think the firing... Uh, uh, James Bennett and the editor of the Philadelphia Inquirer. Do you think that was uh, good or bad? Or I, I don't mean to bifurcate I, I, it. What I are your thoughts on it?
2: Look, I don't know the ins and outs of the firing. I think he had to go. I think he had to go. I think the other guy also had to go. I don't know the see. I don't know all the details of what happened. I have some because I'm not an actual employee of the New York Times, so I am not. In, I wasn't in any of those meetings. Mm-hmm. Um, I just read about them on Twitter. I'm not allowed. On, can you imagine letting me into a New York Times meeting? Um, but I so I'm <laughs> Trust not. Trust me, it's overrated. <laughs> it's over. Okay. I don't go, I didn't go, I've heard they were very heartfelt. They heard they were great discussions. I heard they were very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just people there have reported to me. I, I think that one, I looked at A.G. Salzberger's remarks and I think it wasn't, I think they made, uh, first of all, I would never have put Tom Cotton in. I just don't know why they have feel they have to like entertain you know, I know they're trying to do diverse, whatever, mm-hmm. but honestly, you can make choices. And I, the Wall Street Journal doesn't, or Fox News doesn't worry about having diverse voices and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I get the New York Times is better and this and that, but they've gone to, I thought James's thing, and I like James, uh, Bennett very much, uh, is, and I've ha- he's, he's been, a, he hired me there. So mm-hmm. I know him very well. I think there was a number of things that had happened over time, uh, that I think this was the, and, and and the choice of Tom Cotton I thought was a bad one. Yeah. I think that he didn't read it was not great, and he had to take responsibility. And yeah. and that the, the editing errors are so massive. I'm actually writing a column this week. Just the idea that they allowed Con- Tom Cotton to whitewash himself in the pages of the New York Times, I think, was just astonishing because mm-hmm. he had he had done such a famous tweet about shooting people like no mm-hmm. quarter trying to hide it by using the word no quarter, which everyone understands what it means. And that wasn't in the piece. And so it allowed him to have a Twitter, a really malignant Twitter personality, and then a more measured personality in the Times. I thought that was a mistake. And you have mm-hmm. to, like, look, James did what he needed to do. He couldn't lead going on, and he stepped down. And I think that was, he did the right thing. And the mm-hmm. New York Times did the right thing. And I know people are all mad, and they're making it about just this mob thing. It's ridiculous. There, was, there were other things... Over the past year that also, you know, like it's not just one thing. And I don't think I think to to allow Tom Cotton and President Trump to turn it into this woke thing is mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's just it's not what's not the truth. And I think James, uh, like the way he is, he knew he made a mistake and he took responsibility for it. And mm-hmm. that's what happened. And that's that 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 and especially around the editing and the editing uh, oversight of this thing and allowing such a badly edited. Uh, piece to go in the Times. You can't, you know, the Times has standards and they just shouldn't have let it in. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's a very particularly controversial thing. Again, I don't have any knowledge. I will be writing about it. So maybe you can tell me what you think of it once I do. But mm-hmm. I just think in this day and age, it's it, 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 it's so easy to get into reductive conversations about not letting people speak out. And I think it's so it's such a canard. Uh, that's such a canard. Everybody gets to speak out. You don't get to speak out everywhere and you don't necessarily get to speak out. In I'm not sure. In I'm Times. not
0: sure uh, that when, and maybe there's a reason for this, that in, we're, in, we're in such an emotional raw time that everyone feels comfortable speaking out. I think there's a danger that if you don't, or a feeling that if you don't sign up to a certain orthodoxy, that you anything you say, even if it's meant to be a productive part of a dialogue uh, puts you at huge risk in, in this cancel culture, and I worry that without canceled. embracing something outside of your own orthodoxy, that we don't end up in a dialogue that results in enduring change. All you right, know? but
2: why Tom Cotton? We know what he, he like, but why not? Why not show the full Tom Cotton? Not the com- right. not the not the. He's in a so, nice but white shirt. the question shirt is, I
0: tie. I think that was a mistake, and I think that the byline on the Philadelphia story, the you know buildings lives matters too, was just ridiculous. The question is: Should that, that is
2: timing too? What a terrible, what a terrible like use of uh, a phrase at this moment in time. And they're I mean,
0: and they're big boys, and they make a lot of money, what? and they're paid editors, to make those kind of things. Being an editor yeah. is
2: about judgment. You make a bad judgment, you lose your job. That's but just, at the
0: same, I, I get that. But do do we do we end up sending a signal to editors that they just have to be so milquetoast and not make not take any risks and not? We're
2: just talking about that with Mike, right? Yeah. You know, no, it doesn't make milk toast. It's just, I just feel like, look, if I was running that section, which I never will in a million years, like what's wrong with having your point of view and like deciding that's the thing, this idea that that, everybody must be listened to. Mm -mm. Mm
0: -mm. Yeah.
2: I don't think—why? And, by the way, there's lots of other voices that didn't get listened to. Like, why Tom Cotton? Why not blank? You know, I just—it's— it, I'm,
0: not, I'm not arguing whether the Tom—I don't think the Tom Cotton—they they shouldn't given, have given any oxygen to that. Or if they had a format, they should have had somebody push back, like an interviewer, going, yeah, but aren't you being really yeah. hypocritical here, Senator Cotton? So I agree with you. It's a bad decision. I, I guess my question is, does it— if you look at the movie that that was these persons' careers, to me it right. plays out that it's a movie that strikes, and I don't know them that well, but the guy at the Philadelphia Inquirer mm-hmm. in four years had doubled the percentage of reporters who are, are were people of color, he won Pulitzers, and then you kind of step in it during a raw time and you're out.
2: Well, wow. You know what? It's it's tough up there. I don't that yeah. one. I don't know the whole history. and yeah. but I think that headline was a Paul. I was like, oh, yeah, it was geez. terrible. Like literally, I, I think Margaret Sullivan said it best. Who writes for the? She's been an ombudsman and stuff like that. There's something called, hey boss, look at this. This looks problematic. Like where in mm-hmm. all of these things, like where is that one that headline? I'm like, who did that? I want to like mm-hmm. be in the room to go, what the fuck? And I have been in those rooms mm-hmm. uh, where they just like, oh whatever. And then you're like, what? Like what? Like I've been the person who said what, and I have had that said to me. And I say, thank God for those people, Mm -hmm. you know, and if you don't, I'm sorry, if you do, if you have a room of the same kind of people, whether it's income or education, literally you never get someone saying, what, what the hell is that? And every time, every person who has said, what the hell is that to me? I thank them. And every time I've said, what the hell is that to people? uh, I would, I, I, I think I've done a nice job. So I don't know. It's, it's the way it goes and I again I like James and uh, I like writing for The New York Times. I write about tech I'm not um, I don't write about these 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 much more important issues but I will be writing about it this week because I think they let his internet persona they never let his internet persona and his New York Times persona meet and that was you know that was a mistake. There's lots of mistakes here so but you know I like work memorization I I, I I like memorization. I think they have all. Uh, I, I think they try think about these things really hard and when they think that they've been sloppy to their own standards they do something about it so mm-hmm. but it's certainly not mob honestly what a ridiculous ridiculous configuration of what happened there anyway that's what do you got favorite.
0: on tap for the week Kara what's on tap so
2: much I have so many good people interviewing I'm interviewing John Stewart shh like really? that. I'm interviewing uh, like lots of people. Yes, I have a Mina So I've got uh, so I've got um, a Simone Sanders, who is uh, 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 who is who worked for the Sanders campaign and has now worked for the Biden campaign. I've got let me look. Honestly, I've got such a good lineup this week. Uh, so a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. I got my kid. I'm going up to Vermont eventually. Um, and uh, I have, I'm interviewing Spike Lee, which I'm, gonna, I'm excited about. Wow. I just interviewed Jill Lepore yeah uh and uh I got a lot of stuff coming up I'm trying to think who else I got I got lots of people um and I'm excited for that um and then of course uh, Rico Deco's ending July 1st so Rico I'm just here decode
0: here. is ending Wow that's an end of an era
2: It'll end be, of an era Kara that'll be where I, I will be at the New York Times where I'll be not interviewing the, Stan, the center of cotton unless I can really give it give a good one right yeah
0: well this week on Prof, Prof. G I'm interviewing the largest owner who? of the seventh largest uh chevrolet dealership in delray beach so what I was, why i was mocking you I'm oh kidding a, what do you what do you who
2: do you have on prof g and all your various things that you? i go program.
0: wonky i go uh other academics i'm trying to be more about education academics. i can't i can't play the famous names thing. no
2: i like your academic what are you talking about i who who, who did you would, give me the academic that you would love to talk about i think you had him on the show right
0: Oh, well, I had Dean Henry, who's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm that have, was great. That yeah, looked fantastic. Um, I'm going to have uh, Anastasia Crosswhite, who uh, thinks a lot about education. We're talking mm-hmm. about education reform. And I forget who else. Uh, Andy Slavitt, who I know you've had on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, you know, small ball. I like varsity.
2: I li- No, 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 no. I think I like your thinkiness so you're when you turn into professor galloway I think that's great my that thinkiness said, my thinking, <laughs> that said stay my away from again
0: with up. my labrador watching pbs
2: if you go see Louisa shirt there's got to be a third person in the room that's all i got to say so you don't you don't mess with his brain he's so smart You'd be yeah. like you manipulate his brain i don't know what i'll do anyway all right scott we have a lot we're going to Era. talk about thursday there's so much news happening we will have a lots to do. going on, uh, on. going on. so don't forget if you have a story in the news and you're curious about and want to hear our opinion even really unusual ones because we like to talk about unusual things too not just the major stories of the day email us at pivot at voxmedia.com to be featured on the show scott please read us out
0: Today's episode was produced by Rebecca Sinanas. Our sound engineer is Fernando Fanete. Our executive producer is Erica Anderson. And special thanks to Drew Bros. If you like what you heard, please download or subscribe. Uh, have a great rest of the week, and we'll see you on Friday.